Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle. But he don't ever get rattled, he just goes to the sun goes down. This is Greg Bloom, and welcome to another episode of Food Chat. Food Chat is all about reconnecting you to your food, and you know, over the Last month, we've been talking every week about someone different in the food industry, farmers, ranchers, people that work in food plants. And you may ask, well, how did people get disconnected with their food anyway? Well, the answer is that very few of us are involved in food production anymore. Uh, We're not producing our own food. So there's a lot of things to uncover, a lot of mysteries. Well, today, I have a great guest. I'm excited to have Raina Dutton from Rocky Mountain Spice on the show. Welcome to the show, Raina. Thank you so much, Greg. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Of course. We're glad you're here. And I wanted to just kind of like talk about your world of spices. You know, I've worked in six different USDA meat plants during my career. And so I know a little bit about meat and uh, where food comes from as far as, you know, vegetables and such. But Raina, I'm really not a professional on where spices come from. So before we get into where spices come from, just tell us, Raina, a little bit about Uh, Rocky Mountain Spice and and what you do there and and a little bit about your background too. Sure, sure. Well, um, I'll start with Rocky Mountain Spice. Uh, So we have been in business since 1994 uh, here in Denver. Uh, So we're a local food manufacturer. Um, We we do sell spices and ingredients, uh, but we do a lot of other manufacturing like custom blending, we do a lot of co-packing uh, and private labeling of spices and different dry products uh, that, you know, will move on to uh, grocery stores. Uh, a lot of our products uh, move on to other manufacturers. Uh, we do a lot of, you know, blending uh, for meat processors, uh, blends, uh, like seasoning blends that, that go on to chip manufacturers, um, we do a lot of really fun product products here. Um, David Tenenbaum uh, was our founder. Um, like I said, he started the company in 1994, originally selling spices to restaurants here in Denver. Um, we always joke our, our first delivery vehicle was um, his 1990 red Subaru wagon. Um, mm-hmm. So started with local restaurants. Um, and then over the years, you know, we've grown. Um, into more of the manufacturer that we are now. Um, We're in our third location, um, and we're right in the middle of a a little expansion project. We're moving into uh, the space right next door. Uh, So we have a hole in the wall, and we're adding another close to 20,000 square feet to our facility. I started with the company uh, about six years ago. Uh, My sister-in-law actually was had been here before me, and she gave me a call uh, about six years ago and asked if I would be interested in, in joining the spice industry. And um, at first, I thought she was crazy uh, because that's not at all, you know, what I had been spending my time doing or was focused on. Um, but as soon as I said yes and started with the company, 
uh, I fell in love. Uh, I fell in love with manufacturing, uh, with being so closely connected with food. You know, I, I always have been very connected with food throughout my entire life. Um, spent, you know, most of my career working in hospitality. Uh, so it was a really natural connection for me. Um, and so now I work uh, primarily uh, in sales with our company. I'm the sales director. Uh, but that basically means, you know, every day I'm working uh, with all of our customers uh, on their new projects, uh, on their orders, and, you know, then working with our entire team, our R&D team, our production team, uh, you know, ensuring that the, the best quality products are leaving our door. Wow, great. Thanks. Thanks. That's great. Excellent. Hey, Raina, so one thing you said was custom blending and people that, um, I've been in your plan, so I kind of know what that looks like, but I think our listeners probably don't realize that um, spices are used in lots of things. Uh, for example, I used to work in a USDA meat plant that made hot dogs, and hot dogs and sausages and brats, all those have spices in them, and those spices are not blended um, at the food processing plant. Meat plants don't have the time, the know-how, the machines to blend their own spices to that perfect recipe that they need to put in, like, you know, if they're making a batch of hot dogs. So they were, they would depend on a company like you to blend that for them. They'll give you, what, like a recipe? They give you a recipe, and then you sell them their recipe that's blended? Is that how it works, Raina? Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways it could work, uh, but, you know, many customers come to us with their recipes. Uh, others come to us with uh, ideas or flavor profiles. And, yeah, what we do here, um, we pull dry ingredients, not just spices, you know, flavors, uh, salts. We work with flowers, um, and we do the big dry blends. You know, sometimes these blends are 3,000 pounds. Uh, and we fill into super sacks or cases, uh, and then those those blends can go to other manufacturers where they could add them to meats, you know, for sausage making, um, or or the dry seasoning that then is applied to chips or or sunflower seeds. You know, they're tumbled with oils, and and the flavors are are applied. Um, and some of the other dry blending that we do. Um, you know, it's not all savory. We do sweet blends, so cake mixes or um, biscuit mixes. Um, we we work with a ton of drink mixes, so coffee creamer bases, um, a blended coffee drink bases. Uh, we're seeing a great demand for hydration mixes, you know, those dry mixes you're just adding water to. Um, so many people, I would say, when they come for, you know, a tour of our facility are surprised. Uh, at everything that we do, you don't always think about, you know, in your day-to-day life where your food is coming from. Um, but you know, all things dry—that's that's coming from us. Yeah, right. And you have some great packaging equipment too. That uh, you you sell bulk. I've seen your your product bulk, and uh, and you also sell it. You know, like uh, for people to use at home. And you know, I've been selling food to restaurants, you know, for over thirty years. And I go into, you know, any commercial kitchen and what do you see up on the rack in the kitchen or in their pantry? They have 
hundreds of spices. And you know, one thing I love about spices is as I've traveled the U.S. and around the world for my career, you know, you can take an ingredient like, uh, let's just say chicken. You can take chicken and then, you know, we'll do something different with that in the United States that they'll do with it in India or Japan or Costa Rica. But a lot of time what they're doing different with the chicken is chicken is chicken is is spicing it differently because every culture Mm -hmm. has a different way of spicing meat. And I think the field is just so exciting and, uh, and, and fun just because of all the variation and all the cool things that spices do to change food, like even chicken. So let's talk a little bit, Rain, about where spices come from. And I know there's lots of spices, but in general, I think our listeners probably don't know that like a lot of spices are, don't come from this country. We don't grow them. So maybe you could just go through the list, a short list with us. Sure, sure. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, spices are coming from all over the world. If you think about, you know, what a spice is, it's a, it's a plant, really, that's been dried and used for flavor. So if you think about plants, plants come from all over the world. Uh, you know, just to, to name a few, let's, let's look at black pepper, for example. Um, you know, a lot of the black pepper that we purchase is coming from Vietnam. Uh, it could come from Indonesia, uh, Brazil, Malaysia, um, Cumin could come from uh, India is a big producer, uh, other countries in the Middle East, Turkey, um, cinnamon uh, could come, again, Indonesia, Vietnam, Madagascar, um, basil is an interesting line. I don't know, like, you know, when you're having your pizza with basil, if you're thinking about where that comes from, but uh, primarily it's coming out of Egypt. Um uh, you know, a lot of products are grown here domestically, too. Um, I don't know that you're, they're quite considered spices, but we work with them a ton here in our facility. You know, onion, garlic, uh, chili peppers, you know, those are primarily grown here, you know, in our region. Uh, think of, like, the hatch chili pepper coming out of New Mexico or the Pueblo chilies. Um, it's, I mean, I think it's cool, you know, as you're saying, Greg, um, you can really be transported anywhere in the world just just with the the spices that you're putting on your chicken. Um, we we think of spices as uh, accessible luxury items. You know, every family can have a pantry of spices, and any given night, you know, you can take your family to China or to Mexico or mm-hmm. Spain um, just by you know grabbing you know a few spices out of your cabinet. Yeah, that's great. I, I just love that we can do that. So what about, you know, I think for most people, like especially me, I'm a meat guy. I love meat. But uh, uh, salt and pepper, you know, I do I do like pepper on my meat all the time, no matter what it is. And salt, too. Now, salt, does salt come from the U.S.? The kind of salt we're using on our, on our food, is that a U.S. product or no? Sure. Yeah, we work with a, I mean, Rocky Mountain Spice specifically is bringing in salt from um, Pacific Northwest. Um, salt comes from the sea. Uh, so, you know, Seattle, San Francisco, we're bringing in a lot of salt in there. Now, um, what about for everyone listening that has spices at home, would you talk about like mm-hmm. the shelf life of spices? Cause I've heard that, you know, if you've got spices in your cupboard that are years old, you really need to, you know, um, upgrade <laughs> and, and, you know, use them. But you need to get some fresher spices in your – what is what is the shelf life of, of a spice? Does it depend on the spice? Like I'm sure salt might 
be different than pepper or, 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 or no? What, what, sure. what is it? What is it? Well, salt really doesn't have a shelf life. Salt can last forever. Um, pepper, you know, the shelf life, it's really, it's not a food safety issue. It's more of a, a time issue. Um, so over time, spices will lose their potency. Right. Uh, so, you know, their color, their flavor uh, can change over time if exposed to light or heat um, or even air. Um, whole spices tend to last longer than ground. You know, once you grind a spice, the oils are released. Um, but they're not going to go bad. But probably what you're going to find is you're using a lot more of them in order to get that flavor that you'd like. Um, so I do think it's worth it to open up those cabinet doors, you know, every year or so. And just check out those dates on your bottles and see how long they're really have been sitting there um, and update. You'll notice you'll notice a big difference in, in the flavor that you can get from fresh spices. Okay, so they're not going to like hurt us if we're not eating them no. when they're year old. They're just not as flavorful as they used to be, right? Okay, got it. Right, exactly. Yep. Now you know one thing that I've noticed um, over the years, uh, Raina, is that the quality of of meat in food service is far superior than the quality of steaks, for example. At retail, like it's really hard to find a aged, high quality steak at at a, at a big box retail store. But you go to a local restaurant, and those chefs, you know, they're discerning buyers. But so my point is that food service quality of meats is generally better than retail. Is that the same for spices? Would you say? You know, I think from you know a broad perspective, you're right. Of uh, you know, when you're working with food service, you're working with chefs who are you know, putting out the highest quality product for diners. Uh, and so, of course, when we're working with chefs, the, the spices we're selling, the blends we're creating are curated by, you know, people from the industry who want the best products. And really the spices that we bottle for retail, they're the same spices that we're selling into food service. So uh, in terms of what we use here at Rocky Mountain Spice, I would say quality is about the same, but when you're looking more of a broad perspective, you know, the price points at retail are many times pretty darn low. And um, to put out those high quality uh, spices at those low price points is not always possible. So you will find, um, you know, when shopping in groceries that those, you know, the black pepper isn't as fresh, um, the onion and garlic aren't as fresh, you know, they're really fine grinds. so, yeah, quality is not quite the same. Um, yeah, but I, you can find you can find good quality out there. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You have to be discerning. And, you know, those little bottles that are kind of that weird plastic color that are 99 cents, or <laughs> those those probably yeah. aren't the best quality spices. But, uh, but no. you know, I have seen, honestly, Costco, I, I buy a lot of spices at Costco because I'm there anyway. And and I've been very pleased with some of the spices, uh, actually most of them. Like, but sometimes uh, other other big box national stores, you can buy their store brand, and it's a price thing, and they're trying to hit that price point for that 
price sensitive consumer. So, you know, my co host, mm-hmm. Chef Jackson, who's not here because he's wrapping up a school year at Metropolitan State University, him and I always encourage people, you know, read the labels. <laughs> read the label. If the first yeah. ingredient on the back of a spice blend is, is salt, then, you know, especially with soup bases, we talked about soup bases before. But so where would you can where would you suggest consumers buy their spices from and can they buy them directly from from you? Uh, well, that's a great question. Uh, yes, yes, consumers can buy directly from us. Uh, we set up a uh, online store called myspicer.com, uh, and that's where someone like you or me, Greg, could go online and buy a pound bag of black pepper or or taco seasoning or garam masala, uh, and it's our same high-quality ingredients that we are uh, using for all of our production, we're able to sell those you know, direct to consumer online um, at wholesale prices. So that's a great place to go. Um, you know, another local company um, who are good friends of ours, who I think have amazing products, are Savory Spice. They have brick and mortar. They also have um, online stores, and their their quality is fantastic. I know we're working with. Um, very similar uh, suppliers. Um, they have really nice, unique blends. So, you know, checking out some of your local specialty shops, even specialty grocery stores, I think you have um, a better chance at finding some of those higher quality bottles or jarred spices. What would you say about the correlation between price and quality? Because uh, we had a wine expert on last month, and he suggested that, you know, you can actually find some very good wines, um, even European wines, in the less than $20 range. You don't have to spend 50 to to $100 for a really good quality a bottle of wine. But what about a spice? I mean, sometimes I go into these spice stores that are in the mall or uh, that there's one mm-hmm. in these little cute little downtown areas. It might have a spice store. But some of them or maybe it's a gourmet cooking store. Some of some of these spices are really expensive. Is there? Do you think there's a direct correlation most of the time between the quality of the spice and the price point? You know, when it comes to spices, I would say more so than wine, there is more of a direct correlation between price and quality. Uh, a lot of times, yes, you are paying for the packaging, the marketing. Uh, you know, if you're really on the hunt for good quality spices, maybe look for places that are selling, you know, in just simple bags or or kind of wholesale packaging. Um, so you're not necessarily paying for that packaging. Uh, but I would say in general, if the more expensive it costs, it's probably a higher quality, fresher product. Right. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So, you know, I think most of us have in our pantry at home um, an arsenal of spices, but let's talk about what those should be. Like, you know, I'm a meat guy. I'm always barbecuing and smoking meat. So, you know, I should always have a good quality steak rub or a fish rub or some sort of blend. And then, you know, what, what would you say? You're the spice expert. What would you say a good, you know, arsenal or a good supply or what's the right word? Good inventory to have at home would be. The must-haves. The must-haves. There we go. There pantry we go. staples. Yes. Oh, boy. So... This is one of my passions. Um, so I think a properly stocked spice library should contain, you know, your your set of herbs. So um, basil, parsley, oregano, um, my personal favorite, tarragon. Um, and then you'll need your dried vegetables. So your, your onion, uh, your garlic, uh, 
celery. Um, and and then moving more into the, the spice world, cumin, I think is imperative to have paprika, smoked paprika, uh, and a really nice collection of chili powders. There's so many different types of chili, um, guajillo, ancho, chipotle, um, and, and some warming spices, too, so you can really balance out your flavors. So, like, your cinnamon, um, cloves, cardamom. Uh, I think having a real well-rounded uh, variety it can can allow you to be very creative in the kitchen. Um, and also, you know, you could pick one or two and add to salt and pepper, and, and your dinner is going to taste so much better than if, if you didn't go to your spice cabinet. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's amazing how you can, you know, take a, a, a bad quality piece of meat or poor quality or just neutral quality. You know, it's not going to, it's not bad or anything, but it just doesn't have a lot of flavor. But you can really, really doctor it up with some good spices. You know, um, I the only spice that I grind at home, Raina, is my peppers. I have a, a peppercorn grinder, and I guess I have a salt one too, but what what other spices would you recommend we we grind at home before because most everything else in my cupboard is already ground up sure so you know as i was mentioning earlier if you if you're buying your spices whole they'll have a longer shelf life and then you can do your own toasting and grinding at home um the peppercorns of course you know the green pink uh different varietals there uh whole cumin seed whole fennel seed um anise seed uh, cloves, cardamom pods, uh, nutmeg, you know, you can, you can grate, uh, at home. Uh, you know, even chili pods, you can buy whole and toast and then, you know, grind or steep into sauces. And if you're, you know, paying attention when you're out shopping, you'll see, you'll see all of those different spices available in whole. Uh, and, you know, I think bringing them home, toasting them and then grinding them really, really elevates uh, your cooking. Do you need to have a, a special grinder that you use for multiple different things? Or can you even use, I think I've seen people use just a, a coffee bean grinder. Can you use that? Because a lot of people have that already. You totally can. Um, don't make my mistake. And uh, one time out of desperation, I needed a blend and I couldn't find my, my mortar and pestle. So I reached for my coffee grinder, uh, ground some spices. Well, once you get spices with your coffee grinder, you can go back to coffee. So oh. you need to have two. And don't mix them up because that would that would be a fun morning. You're going to have some smoked paprika-flavored <laughs> coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it could be delicious. Uh, spicy, though. But, yeah, a spice grinder or a coffee grinder works. Or I, I use a mortar and pesto at home. Um, that's my go-to. That's just like, uh, for people who don't know what that is, we'll explain what that is. Uh, so mine is it's a, a, like a marble, heavy-duty bowl, essentially. Uh, and I have a marble kind of weighted, uh, I don't know what you would call it, like a, a pounding stick, and you just kind of grate down the spices in this bowl, and you can stir them uh, until you end up with the right uh, granulation and consistency. Okay. Yeah, I have one too. I don't use it as often as I should use it uh, because it's just, you know, usually when I'm cooking, uh, I'm a typical, you know, impatient cook. I just want to just start throwing stuff in the pot, especially if I'm making soup or something. Um, but mm -hmm. what about, uh, you, you talked about what 
kind of arsenal people should have as far as the go-to must-haves. What about, um, like, what would you recommend they have as far as a spice blend for when they cook fish and then chicken and then maybe also beef? What sort of blends should they have? Or do they just need to have, um, you know, the right spices? They can just make their own blend for, like, the marinade. What would you suggest? So, you know, I think having the, the arsenal of spices is, you know, step one, but then having your go-to blends, you know, and everyone's palate and, and flavor, you know, preference is different. But I think having um, a really good taco seasoning, um, a really good barbecue barbecue rub, um, I think a really good all-purpose seasoning, like a, like a garlic seasoning, garlic, uh, lemon pepper. Um, and then for fish, chicken, Beef, you know, the the blend doesn't have to be specifically designed for chicken or or fish. A lot of the flavors that are are good on those things um, are similar flavors. So a good lemon pepper or um, you know nice paprika rubs. Um, there's, I mean, there's it's endless the the the, the amount and different types of um, blends you could have. So, I mean, my recommendation really is to find ones that you love and. Keep them around at all times and try them on different foods. Yeah, one fun thing to do once you get kind of good with your spices uh, is, uh, you know, have a good arsenal of them. Uh, and you have your must-have list is that, you know, you have uh, food like leftovers and you had chicken tonight, but uh, you had chicken yesterday. Well, tonight you can spice it a little bit different. You know, you can just change the spice profile and it will taste a lot different and serve it with a different side. So that's kind of a good way because I, I tend to batch cook. I tend to, when I fire up my Traeger pellet, grill. I, I cook a lot of meat at once and I'll spice it sometimes just with salt and pepper so that I can change it later because if I use my favorite car, carne asada blend on all of it, right. then it's already kind of all spiced for the week. So I kind of mix it up that way and that way it's a little bit different every night. So Yeah, that's a smart way to go. I, I do the same. So yeah, if I'm you know, preparing a lot of food on Sunday, getting ready for the week, I'll, I'll go pretty basic. Or, or I'll use flavors that I know can lend themselves to a number of different applications. So, you know, if I want to have you know, tacos one night and then um, go Italian the next, you know, maybe I'm just going to start with a base of salt, pepper, and, you know, maybe like some onion and garlic. And then as I'm doing, you know, my nightly preparations, then I break out those more specific spices and herbs. Raina, we have just about a minute left. Um, what are some other, um, we mentioned a couple uh, types of foods that would have spice blends in them that um, people may not realize, but like hot dogs and sausages. But I ran into you uh, at a pizza expo recently, <laughs> and you know I didn't realize that pizza dough is made with spice blends. Do I, do I have that right? Yeah, I mean, if you think about all of the food, that we eat, everything is seasoned, everything. So yeah, there is there is your obvious sausage, you know, hot dogs, chips, but there, you know, sauce bases, there is the spice one that, that goes into the tomatoes. Um, pizza dough, that's, that's a dry mix, that's flour, that's yeast, that's salt. It all starts with something dry. Um, the, the drink mixes that I was mentioning earlier, those are dry milk powders with vanillas, um, Cinnamon, you know, like the chai that you're getting at your local coffee shop. That's right. that's a dry spice mix. Yep. Um, they're they're everywhere. Everything that you eat um, is seasoned. 
Raina, thank you so much for your time today and coming on Food Chat. It was so fun talking to you, and it was fun to hear all your uh, great advice about spices. So if people want to uh, buy spices direct, would you just say the website again? So, yeah, the best place would be myspicer.com. Um, that's where you can buy direct from our company. And if, you know, you're a local business and you're interested in doing some custom blend formulations, uh, Rocky Mountain Spice uh, would be the company to look for. Perfect. RockyMountainSpice.com. Raina Dutton from Rocky Mountain Spice. Thank you so much. It was fun talking to you today. Thank you so much, Greg. It was great to talk to you, too. Today's episode of Food Chat is brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com has the best selection of beef, bison, wagyu, air-chilled chicken, turkey, and duroc pork, and more, all sourced from the family farms and ultra-clean USDA plants that they know personally. Take the mystery out of where your meat comes from and how the animals were cared for and buy your family's meats at RanchFreshMeats.com. Hey, save 10% on your first order by using Food Chat at checkout. Orders over two hundred dollars include free shipping ranchfreshmeats.com here's to the farmer the plants the fields and the spring the turn from green to that harvest honey hold one up for the banker downtown the got him on his feet with handshake money here's to the farmer's wife that loves him every night raising a son Raising a daughter, they gather around the table, send it up to the father. Somehow they get closer when times get harder. Here's to the farmer. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.